Woo! The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star. Boy, what other names could I pull out? I haven't used the Libertine in Chief in a little while. Uh, but yeah, here for your July Wednesday, or well, it's not Wednesday. <laughs> I was going to say my Wednesday q and I'm so used to saying that, but whatever. Uh, the July live hangout Q&A, that's what we got going on. Uh, we've already got some people in the YouTube live chat. We got some people already hanging out in the uh, actual hangout room so that they can be on via audio or video, whatever they feel comfortable with, whatever they want. Um, excellent. Looks like everything's working. Looks like everybody can hear me uh, as far as on, on YouTube, uh, which is great. So feel free to ask questions as well on the YouTube. I have questions that were asked uh, ahead of time. So in actually in the Facebook group that I will try to get to for this, uh, even though I might have to stop for a second and <laughs> find one of them. But uh, regardless, I uh, got, a, got a few different questions and we're going to have fun with this. Now, you might be looking behind me and there's I've done a couple videos already or a couple of uh, recordings with video of where I am right now. But I am in Studio 2 uh, and Studio 2, there, we're still I'm still going to be adding things here and there. There's well, you know, there's some like part of that is. I plan on doing different things. So, you know, I don't, I can't fill in everything because some of it needs to be like a, a flat black background. So, and, uh, Oh, we got somebody else that joined in and we'll get to the, uh, the people that hang out here in a minute. Uh, and then, so yeah, just, just keep yourself muted for the moment. But, um, man, it looks like somebody was on a train. <laughs> this is fantastic. I love it. Uh, anyway, so yeah, recording from studio two, which, uh, more or less like, I mean, got to a point where there's not stuff laying around anymore because even when I was recording over the past week or so uh, in here, there still been some wires here and there and all the stuff around. And I'm, I'm going to share some pictures in the Sovereign Tech Uncensored group, or at least maybe one shot um, of the section of the studio that at least I'm recording in right now. But yeah, fully, this is complete. So now, of course, if you're just listening to this later on in the audio version uh, of this recording, then, you know, you're not really seeing what's happening here. But I put the link in the show notes for every uh, uh, Patreon live hangout Q&A when, when I release it into the Patreon audio feed in the podcast feed. I put a link in the show notes for the video so that you can check out the video. So if you want to see some of Studio 2, you're certainly welcome to do it that way as well. Uh, but anyway, this is going to go for about an hour uh, as usual. Uh, this would be, well, how many have we done of these? Four, five, six? I don't know, but they're fun. They're very popular. A lot of people really enjoy the episodes. Uh, so why don't we go ahead? Let's start getting into, let me just check the live chat. Uh, oh, I got quite a few people joining up here. Excellent. So feel free to ask again, uh, questions in the live chat, but we've got people waiting patiently in the, um, in the hangout. Uh, if we want, so let's see, I had a pace was first. Uh, I know he was here first, but just cause of Daniel's situation, I think he's moving on a train. <laughs> I just, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I want to get to Daniel first, then we'll get to pace. And I know Daniel's a guy in a timetable. So uh, Daniel, if you want to, um, yeah, absolutely. Pace agrees with that. Excellent. So Daniel, if you want to unmute ahead and rock and roll your question. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, why, why, why don't you go with pace first? Cause I'm actually going to get off the train in probably five, 10 minutes. So oh, go ahead with pace. All right, let's do that. All right. Pace. You're up, man. Go for it. You're welcome to be on video or just audio uh, if you're still there. And uh, that way we can avoid the train sounds. Hey, guys. Hey, looking good, man. What's going on? It's a, it's a busy office. I just, uh, I, you know, since you're here, I just yeah. always love the opportunity. Looks like you have some a, child labor there going on. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, uh, he's, he's definitely going to be employed way before he's 18. 
Hell yeah, yeah man. They make great yeah. records, those little guys. Anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have an awesome studio. Let me just say, beautifully decorated. It's a uh, cheers. Good. Yes. So yeah, I'm uh, surrounded by all kinds of cool stuff. Anyway, go ahead. What do you got for a question there, Pace? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, you, you made a you made a Facebook group. Um, how, how do you yeah. feel? How do you feel that that's going right now? And it seems like you're spending uh, quite a bit less time on your own personal page, uh, doing doing posts. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, so, the Facebook group is going swimmingly. I mean, you know, I I know some varying Facebook groups, uh, like more secret kind of groups. Not that this one necessarily needs to be secret, uh, but. You know, they, they don't get the amount of members. I mean, I, I think there's there's over 100 people anyway in, in the Sovereign Tech Facebook, Facebook group already. And yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool because that, that's more than the average Facebook group by a long shot, even though that's oh, not wow. like huge numbers. You know? uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, like, I'm, in, I'm in a lot of groups that have tons of people. I mean, there are ones that are crazy huge, right? That have millions of people. Yeah. And um, I mean, and to, yeah. to some degree, I worry about those because they can become kind of unmanageable, you know? I mean, yeah. Like, what, I mean, right now I'm like solely in control of it and everything, and I'll just you know ban whoever. Um, there is couple, go ahead. Facebook has their own rules for less freedom. Once once it reaches a certain size, you can't change the name, you can't change the settings. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like so th- so this is good growth because it gives me the chance to really experiment with groups and all that because I I've really never messed much with it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, my feeling on it. Obviously, people are using it. There's great posts. There's great content that's getting shared that I'm already going to be implementing in other shows. I mean, so I really appreciate that. Um, I still feel really icky of getting, you know, having people being on, uh, you know, like like enticing people to get onto Facebook, which is kind of, you know, if I was targeting companies that I wanted to see kind of kind of crash and burn, and I mean that of course in a peaceful market way, right? Uh, Facebook <laughs> would be at the top of the list. You in, know? A disrupt, in a disruptive innovation, people's attention is brought to some better system. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the hope is, I guess, like really, I think the the thing that kind of made the Facebook group okay with me is that now I also have the newsletter and I have the email list where I can like. Yeah you know, get in touch with people that way. So at least that way, I don't feel like I'm like a hundred percent reliant upon Facebook to, to communicate with my audience so much. Yeah. Um, like you could have done a Slack channel or something. It's just, there's not others, another system out there that says not like it can be as non-committal. where like the group's there, you can be in it. You don't always have to check the notification, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and everybody just like, everybody's already logged into Facebook. That's really what it came down to. And, and yeah. so you know, I get it. It's probably going to grow more over time. I've already had people become patrons after the fact, uh, which is really nice. That's that's good. We we I'm in one group that's like 50 people and they've capped it. So if anybody you know goes inactive, then they then they free up a spot and somebody else can come in. And yeah, I think right. you, you've mentioned a number of times. Uh, uh what's what's the uh, what's the number and the philosophy? Oh, the of Dunbar like, number. Yeah, which yeah. is 50 yeah. or five to 150 people, something like that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So I mean, you, so it's up to you. You could always cap it. You know. Yeah, that's a thought too. I might keep it within the Dunbar number. That might be that might be nice. I don't know. It, it depends. I mean, the nice, you know, there's almost a comfort in the fact that really there's only a hundred some odd people in it because, I mean, my listener numbers are regularly creeping above the five digit range now. Yeah, and the fact that there aren't that many people that are just like kind of flooding in means that most of my audience either doesn't want to use Facebook that seriously, or they're not even yeah. on Facebook or whatever, which makes sense because I mean, I've been telling people don't be on fucking Facebook forever. Right. So, 
<laughs> so, yeah, and it's not something, it's not a drum that you need to beat on the show like every week. All right, join the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Right, 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 exactly. So so I kind of feel good about it that there hasn't been a whole lot because I'm hoping that what that means is just that most people, you know, really aren't that interested. But there were there were enough people that they, they want to do it and fine, I'll, I'll make it happen. I'm, I yeah. have to be to some degree on there anyway. So It doesn't have to be more than just raving fans that also happen to be on Facebook a lot precisely i mean there's people in that group honestly that i know you know barely ever listen to the show or whatever but they're just cool people and it's just one of the ways that they want to be able to interact with me i mean now you said like how i'm not posting in public really anymore yeah i mean this gives me the excuse to not do so and like most of the people that i want to interact with anyway are in that group so why the fuck put it all out to the you know world if i don't have to yeah Uh, but yeah uh there's a comment in the chat says uh oh you can read it (laughs) Oh, let's have a look. Let's see. Uh, the FB group is the greatest thing on Facebook for me. Anyway, I'm loving it. Well, I, that's great. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. There's uh, you know, as far as groups go, there, there are very few places where uh, someone could feel free to say absolutely anything. Um, and, uh, and that's, uh, yeah, just because of the contents that the other people in the group, there's just so many people that are dogmatic uh, about everything. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's very hard to, to be oneself. And so it's a very good place, at least for now. Yeah, uh, no, well, I'm glad. Sure, I'm glad you're, you know, taking advantage of Pace. I know you have already and, you know, yeah. some, some kind of, you know, I'll just say to a degree personal things or personal. whatever. And that's yeah. awesome that people can do that and they feel uh, comfortable with that. I mean, one of the things that, like, I, I wanted to put in, because you could put, like, the description, like, the rules of the group or something like that. Not that I want any real rules, but, like, I, I kind of feel a need to to let people know, Hey, guess what? There's a billion different ideologies that are going to exist in this right. group. Like this is not just, a, this is not an ANCAP group. This is not, but it's also not necessarily like an ANCOM group. It's just, yeah, you know, it's where a bunch of different uh, backgrounds kind of come together. Um, right. And yeah, I think that that's kind of rare too. And I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm glad that, that you feel a comfort with it and that you've been able to use it. I'm also glad to hear that, you know, that other person in the YouTube live chat, uh, you know, thinks it's the greatest thing on Facebook. So, which yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, and I've mentioned this before, I mean, I've gotten it when I, when I would post in public, I mean, I, every time I'd run into people, they'd always say, man, your Facebook post is the greatest thing in the world. And so, you know, I mean, it, well, at least now it's in a group, but uh, what else yeah. you got pace? Anything? Uh, um, well, anything no, else? just, uh, I guess just equip the, update on us where helium's coming around the corner it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell me about it. Yeah. the beta the beta is ending soon and the app's coming out very soon um so awesome. any anybody that uh that joins up before the end of the month is is going to get that permanent uh get a permanent boost to their to their gains uh that they get through the app uh but i'm just excited about it so um oh yeah I've, so what's the get out of the url for people to look up i'll put in the show notes too okay it's just helium it's just helium.com h-e-l-e-u-m dot com and that'll be perfect that'll be good we've made so many changes we just came out with a new uh logo and new branding okay so so we're happy about that and we're gonna do a podcast i'm gonna do a podcast i already recorded one yeah man all right (laughs) yeah it's gonna be uh it's called technology is liberty ah Uh, nice and uh obviously obviously there are certain technologies that are not very you know (laughs) that don't promote liberty too much (laughs) um just because of you know any technology can be put in the wrong hands and uh Mm -hmm and uh implemented poorly so so we're going to be open about that too but but the whole point is you know things are going in the right direction at least in a very very general sense so many people out of poverty and uh uh and we're excited about where that's going so it's kind of it's kind of the official podcast for helium but we're not only going to be talking about crypto and 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 things like that right right it's going to be a broader kind of yeah okay well you know i'll tell you something I've, I mean, technology and liberty, what is it? Technology is liberty. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I've wanted, you know, I don't want Sovereign Tech to be the only, like, you know, Liberty-themed kind of podcast, uh, tech podcasts out there. I want tons of them. So, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I think this is great. That's, I'm glad, you know, you announced it here. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited to hear that. I'm only doing it to raise your market value, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, no, but I'm, yeah. I'm excited about it. So uh, hopefully that'll be out in, in August. We'll start that uh, and uh, let people know and share that around. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I mean, you know, check in with, with us yeah. here. I mean, and, and, you know, let me know and we'll, you know, get it out there because I think that that's, that's really awesome. Thank you. So, all right, cool. that's, that's all I got. I hopefully, hopefully that gave other people some time to jump on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. All right. Appreciate it, Pace. Thanks so much. See ya. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So that's really cool. Uh, yeah. The Facebook group, uh, you know, like Pace is asking about, yeah, I've, I've largely felt positive about it. I mean, there's, there's been just a really, um, yeah, it's been really exciting. I mean the past, and, and I did a post about this the past few days, I've kind of been on the quiet side in there, but everybody else is just picking up, uh, you know, no pun intended, picking up the pace uh, <laughs> as far as, as far as posting, um, there. And, and that's been, you know, that, that's, that's really great, but I'll, I'll get back to picking up on it. It's anyway, I won't, I won't, you know, talk about that much here. Uh, but anyway, I'm still active in there. I respond you know, I try to like and, and comment on everything I can. If the group gets much bigger, I mean, I could run into the problem where, I mean, already I kind of can't keep track of everything that gets posted. Um, but I'll, I'm definitely trying my best to really interact with everybody. Um, so Daniel, if you're off the train, man, or if you're ready to go, you can come on. Otherwise, uh, oh yeah, there he is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the train. It's uh, funny. That's where I saw the Qualcomm uh, ad the other day. Um, yeah, it like, yeah. It, it was just bizarre. Um, but I, I had a feeling it's probably not as uh, um, uh, whatever nefarious? dark. Uh, nefarious. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's not as yeah, nefarious yeah. as Northrop Grumman, but uh, you, you never know. You never know. Um, and I have a question, actually, kind of related, unrelated. Um, and it's with regards to IoT versus um, mobile phones. Sure. So you said, um, and I'm not going to quote you exactly, but that IoT is a class of devices that should just not exist outright. Um, yes. You just, you just, you don't feel, uh, you don't feel the greatest about it, to put it mildly. And I, and I agree. I, I agree. Well, I agree and I disagree. I'm, I'm just curious because. The, there is, you know, there's IoT that kind of uh, notifies you when you run out of milk and eggs, and the fridge kind of calls your phone, which is which is fine. It's it's a it's a modern convenience, and yeah. as a class of as a class of um, of uh, devices that kind of just help with with modern conveniences and just makes your life, uh, you know, a fraction of a bit simpler. Um, I have no problem with that. I do see where you're coming from in terms of uh, Dyn, in terms of like hacking into um, thousands of devices, millions, trillions of devices potentially. I see where, where that is. I haven't heard you, and it might just be because Sovereign Tech started so much after sort of mobile phones came into, into being, but I haven't heard you use that kind of language with mobile phones. And mobile phones are, you know, they're, they're tracker sensors in your pocket and everything that you say everything everywhere that you are is if you know in some cases you might even say it's a lot more dangerous than than an iot device and what are you just used to the fact that they exist and you're just trying to say okay look seeing as how we don't have iot yet let's let's try to kill it 
while it's uh, nip it in the bud. What's kind of your view on, on that regard? Sure. So actually, yeah, I do have thoughts on this. Um, and so, so like I somewhere within somewhere before episode 50, I think, uh, of Sovereign Tech. So this would have been, you know, four or some odd years ago, I guess. Um, I did kind of go on a screed uh, about mobile phones in general and saying that, you know, let's, and, and I actually, I repeated this at Porkfest. I had people asking me like, what's your, all right. Like this guy, you know, kind of said, so what's your overall message here, sovereign? Like, like, what, what do you, you know, what are you saying? What's the philosophy? What should we be running with? And one of my, you know, major points, and this is a point that I, again, I made some, you know, some years ago was that we need to stop relying so much on our mobile phones. Like, you know, carry, carry your, you know, rely more on your laptop. I mean, and there's, there's so much to unpack about that statement. Um, because you're right. And, and I try to call it this as often as I can, you know, that is just a block of sensors in your pocket. Uh, you know, and I, and I think I mentioned it, I don't know where I talked about, or I think I was on the Tatiana show and I talked about it. I said, you know, there's some odd 20 to 30 different sensors and, you know, on that little smartphone of yours that's tracking you all the time. And in many ways, every, every move you make to, towards trying to regain some, regain some privacy or to implement security, uh, in your life, you know, digitally, which of course affects your, your meat space life as well, uh, is kind of bullshit. You know, if you don't either a start with a smartphone or B maybe be less reliant upon the smartphone. I mean, there's so much I could talk about with that. Uh, like one thing, if you, if you, in fact, you know, I'm glad you, you kind of mentioned this and if, if you want to break in with anything, Daniel, you know, just, just, just say so. But so I recently got a new smartphone. I'm holding it up here in the video. I mean, it looks like any other smartphone. It's a black slab, but it's a, this is a Moto E4 just, just came out 2017 edition. You know, I mean, they were just uh, launched like two weeks ago in the U S um, it's about a hundred bucks. I mean, it's, it's, it's a low end phone. Everybody that knows the Moto E series knows what I'm talking about. It's not even the Moto G series. It's the next one down. Um, and it's small. It's actually very small for modern smartphones. Anyway, it's only five inches. Uh, it's, it has a limited amount of RAM. It's very limited in what it can do. It's missing a lot of modern technologies. It doesn't have NFC. Unfortunately, it has a fingerprint sensor, but um, I already did some business to that. So that, you know, that's not a concern. But um, my point in wanting this phone was part of this philosophy of like not relying so much, not trying to do so much with the smartphone, kind of getting away from the smartphone and leaving the smartphone over there, you know, like, like kind of, kind of, kind of out of sight, out of mind uh, to some degree, if you can. And, you know, I think if you rely more on your laptop, one of the, I mean, there's a million advantages to this. Of course, there's the privacy and security advantages to it. Okay. But then there's also sort of just like the, the, the mental bandwidth, the mental human bandwidth uh, that you can kind of reclaim for yourself to even think about uh, things. Um, and maybe even just to improve your life, if you're not constantly like fucking tapping, you know, on, on a smartphone or something, uh, and a laptop, you know, I mean, it's not something generally that you sit at all the time. Um, and so, you know, just by relying more on the laptop, you don't spend perhaps as much time on Facebook. You don't spend as much time, you know, doing bullshit or whatever. I mean, maybe that's not true for everybody, but I think there's some, to some degree, you know, there's an automatic kind of reclaiming of, you know, some, some personal inner space 
you know, when, when you get away from the smartphone and all that. So, I mean, and that's not even, again, that's not even getting into where, yeah, I mean, you have billion, you know, millions or billions of, of these smartphones, you know, going around that could cause the same problem, which, you know, which I talk about from October 21st, 2016, which was what I call the day the internet died because, you know, all these, all these IOT devices turned into a botnet. So I actually do feel, you know, it's a great question, Daniel. And I actually do feel very similarly about smartphones as I do, um, as I do about IOT devices, what, what else do you got? Um, no, I, I mean, I think I, I, I agree with that. The, well, the reason I'm asking is cause I, um, you know, I, I started looking a bit more into, um, into IOT just, just <laughs> to, you know, educate myself a bit more on that. And, you know, I, I, it, it, one of the things that one of the things that I kind of um, think about often um, is with regards to well, what do I have control over in my life, right. and what don't I have control over in my life? And I I try not to not to overburden myself with things that I don't have control over. Sure. And um, you know, thinking about uh, about. A new class of devices, <laughs> a new class of items that are that are coming in, and it's sweeping sweeping the world like a torrent. And I have uh, nothing that I can that I can do about it. Well, where where does that leave me? Um, you know, and I was starting to think about. Well, you know, I've got my phone, and I can say that my life is you know, somewhat better. Um, you know, in some regards, somewhat not as good, but some, somewhat sure. better because of the the convenience that I have with with a smartphone. What kind of uh, IoT devices would I dare, you know, bring into my house? And you know, there's some creepy ass shit going on with with video stuff. And uh, I don't know if I saw it online or if I saw. I, I guess it must have been online. There was like a, a commercial with, you know, this this guy watching watching his dog walker come in and obviously she's a good looking young woman and she comes to the you know fetch the dog and he's kind of just staring at the screen and, <laughs> and it's like yeah I, I i'm sure you're not really concerned that she's taking your dog and i'm sure it's <laughs> whatever right i mean right. I, I might be reading more into it and maybe revealing some of my psychology but you know it just doesn't seem like it's as naive as that and and you know the the, the dad the, the the screen is kind of staring at two kids playing on the sofa, and then they start to bicker, and then the dad through this uh, whatever Nest device um, kind of say, "Hey, kids, cut it out!" And now, ooh, yeah, all of a sudden they're like acting all good. So so obviously there's shit like that that you know is never going to get into my house. But right. I, I'm thinking to myself, well. This is a thing, right? I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna actively avoid absolutely everything. I've got, you know, I, I've got a whatever it's called, a Google Chromecast thing stuck in my TV because, you yeah. know, that's the only. I don't have cable, you know, that's the only way that I ever watch anything is if I just stream something off of my phone or off the laptop or something. Right. So, you know, I was just kind of thinking to myself, well, you know. Do, do we take it down the road of this class of items shouldn't even exist? Or do you say, okay, look, there's, there's certain things that are, certain things that aren't, and where, where do you draw the line? And obviously, I, I mean, A, you know, I know you're the one who wrote Dark Android, so I know, you, <laughs> I know your point on, <laughs> on mobile phones very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, B, you're a reasonable person. You're not going to say, you know, burn everything down. But I, I was just, um, it, it just, it was just something that kind of came to mind as a result of that. Sure. No, I, yeah, I understand that completely. I mean, 
Oh boy. Yeah. I know, I know this was another street I went on. Like, like there was there. So, I mean, just, um, there's not much point, I guess, to bringing this up, but I'll bring it up anyway. Um, like, like the first 50 episodes of Sovereign Tech, I was actually a very calm guy. It's very weird to listen to those old episodes. Uh, and, but <laughs> I, the... I actually listened back, you know, when, when I started listening to your show, I actually went all the way back to episode one and binged yeah. back to it. So right. it was a while ago, though. I don't, I don't recall, but yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah. So there was an episode um, that I know where I talked about a, refriger- a smart refrigerator, or it was like smart egg cartons. And this was like maybe in the episode 30s, somewhere around some one of those numbers. Um, it was one of the times where like I, I really, you know, like one of the first times that I really lost it on the show. And, you know, I it, it just it seemed so like it was so obvious that. Oh, how to put this like, well, I was complaining about it. So, you know, what did people do without smart egg cartons that told them how many eggs they had? Usually they just remembered how many fucking eggs they had. <laughs> You know, <laughs> or they didn't. No big deal. Right. Yeah. I mean, all right. So, so, so what? So you you spent two bucks on on eggs that you didn't really need, as compared to spending you know five thousand dollars on a refrigerator that you sure as hell don't need. Uh, and and that's part of the problem is that a lot of this. I mean, the the market category when when there's something that genuinely like really helps and improves people's lives, of course, like something like the Chromecast, like you mentioned. I mean, that's kind of a tough fit into the IoT class, but. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll grant you that. And that like that, that makes sense, you know, cause you can get away from the cable companies like that actually, you know, helps simplify your life. That does, that can do a lot for you. Um, but you know, so, so things like that, I think will, will come into the market. I don't mind those that, you know, they will exist and they would come into existence really on their own without being an entire, you know, without becoming an entire market category. But I think one of the major thrusts behind IOT is getting people to finally buy new appliances because, you know, I mean, not far from where I'm sitting, there's, you know, there's a washer and dryer that are fucking 40 years old and they work like a dream. I mean, like there's, there's nothing wrong with, they never had to be repaired either. They work great. Um, you know, the, the TV, when I was growing up, for example, the TV that I watched, you know, star Wars on endlessly and star Trek on endlessly, it's a little 24 inch tell, you know, glass tube television, that damn thing. When I was watching it as a child was 30 years old, you know? And, and so, a lot of IOT I really think is, is just trying to get people to kind of, kind of, kind of try and sell them on a bunch of new features. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Just BS to, to, to buy new things that, that, that they don't need. And then the, the worst part of it is it's not just that I'd understand that. Like I get it. Okay. That's marketing. That's how you get people to buy stuff. I, I, I told, you know, there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. The insidious part is that we know that the way, you know, with smartphones is, is a great analogy for what would, you know, the IOT market category can look like. Um, they want to get people to where they're going to be replacing appliances every two, three, four years or something like that. Um, I mean, and the horror stories are already out there of, you know, with refrigerators and all this other stuff. And, and I think I'm not saying it's planned obsolescence, but I think it is planned timelines of when you're buying products. Um, and, and that's, that's where things get insidious, uh, for me in a, in a very real sense. I mean, and that's nothing like you're talking about with like the, what is it? The ring video doorbell where like, you know, this camera is just constantly looking outside your door and, you know, or watching your kids and all that stuff. I I mean, I, I think some of these, some of these ideas aren't necessarily bad, but they would come into it or they would be developed. And I think they would come into fruition without this huge push by Silicon Valley and, uh, you know, regular industry. Of, of like having everybody be on board with IOT. And so, and that's, yeah, so that, that's my concerns. Anyway, um, any, got anything else on that, Daniel? 
No, no. Um, just to say that you're a wolf slayer or whatever you end up calling it uh, is looking pretty awesome. So, uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Congr- I appreciate congrats that. on congrats on that. And um, yeah, I'm actually going to drop off now, but I'll listen to the rest on. Yeah, rock and roll. All, All right. right, thanks so okay. much, Daniel. Awesome. Take it easy, Bobby. Yeah. All right. So now, you know, I'll tell you, yeah, Daniel was just mentioning the studio here. Uh, again, if you're just listening on audio, I know this might be kind of boring, but um, I'll, I'll kind of twist a little bit. You see this kind of high chair. Boy, I'll tell you, it's a tough. It's tough to find a chair that at least my some part of my head can even rest, you know, rest on. Um, this just came in today from a Sovereign Tech listener. Got it through my wish list at wishlist.zog.ninja. And I am so honored. You know who you are. You're, you're a wonderful human being. Thank you so much for that. Uh, this is a really nice chair. In fact, the arms, this is one of the main things that I wanted. The arms can flip up. Do you know why I want a chair where the arms can flip up? Well, if you're seeing video, you can kind of imagine what I'm suggesting here. Because when there's arms down, you know, Maybe another person can't sit with you in certain ways. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Did you expect anything less from me? <laughs> anyway, let's take a look at the YouTube live chat. Um, had, you know, two, two great uh, callers. Can, should I call them callers? Well, anyway, two great patrons uh, that were just on. Um, and let's, let's see what we have here. Um, yeah, the FB group is the greatest thing on FB. Of course, I read that earlier on Facebook for me anyway. I'm loving it. Um, then someone said, hey, fucking agreed. Uh, don't, let's see, don't think fascists or their sympathizers would be welcome in the group, though, and that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, you know, just real quick on the Facebook group again, and I don't want to spend this whole episode talking about the Facebook group. Um, and we have, I have some questions that were asked ahead of time that I will get to here. But uh, with the, yeah, I mean, I will, you know, again, I will ban people. It's not a Patreon perk. It's not a patron perk because I'll ban people in a heartbeat. Uh, like I, I won't even think twice about it, uh, you know, for, for even the silliest of things. I just, you know, I, I, and not that I want to do that. I just want people to know that, look, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put up with bullshit and certainly some fascies, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to put up with that. Uh, but anyway, um, let's see. Uh, I, I hear SoundCloud is in big trouble. What's, what's your read on the situation? So, okay, that's a great question to talk about because I actually host my entire show and I've hosted it since the beginning of, of the show in 2012 um, on SoundCloud. And SoundCloud is such an amazing technology uh, or, or such an amazing service, I should say. Um, now, SoundCloud has been in trouble for a really long time. Um, like every year, it seems, I mean, they're, I think two years ago, they got another $20 million like investment round or something that, that just barely saved their ass. Uh, SoundCloud has had troubles for, for a while. And at the time, you know, a couple of years ago when, I mean, cause you always kind of hear these stories that something's going on with, with SoundCloud. Uh, and I think the answer will always be the same. Um, at the time I was hoping Twitter honestly would have bought out SoundCloud because I, because Twitter was at the, t- was also at the time, this was a couple of years ago, again, uh, trying to, they, they had like that Twitter music thing where they're trying to be a music service. Of course they can that inside of a year, but now Twitter's in so much goddamn trouble. So I can't expect Twitter to, you know, to buy them out, but it would have been nice to have that, that nice social media integration of SoundCloud and Twitter. And I think some really interesting synergistic effects, uh, and services could have come out of that. Um, but I think the real answer is, and I still think this is the answer for Twitter as well, uh, eventually just a, a major company just needs to buy them out. You know, like, I, I mean, and, and sadly, oh, this gets into a huge, a huge subject. And I want to get to some of these other questions quick, but I, I, I will talk about it, you know, briefly. Um, there is, and I've talked about this on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes, 
in Silicon Valley, there is not a grand concern with how do we get cash flow? How do we get more money coming in? You know, how, how does how does all that shape up? Uh, they are more concerned with users, 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 because the only way that they can get more VCs is to constantly just get in more, uh, you know, more and more users. So because of that, there's very skewed, like, like, well, business ideas, there's very skewed business models that come into existence. And, and it's, it's so sad because for example, like Twitter, people look at Twitter, like it's a failure. You know, that's how investors look at it. Or even in, in just the popular mindset, it's like, oh yeah, I don't like Twitter or oh, Twitter's in trouble, blah, blah, blah. You know, Twitter has millions of users. Anybody else, anybody else, if you were in any other industry besides social media, if you're in, in any other market category, you would be a wild success and you'd have all the money you could ever want. Uh, but because it always gets compared to Facebook, it's considered a failure. I mean, the same is true, honestly, for Google Plus. Not that I'm promoting Google Plus. I used to years ago uh, when I was a fan of Google. But, you know, I mean, these the, the numbers that these services have are great. The problem is, is that everything and it seems like almost not just social media, but almost any service online gets compared uh, to Facebook's numbers. And if you don't have Facebook's numbers, then, you know, investors are largely like, well, fuck you. And that's, that's such a, that's such a shame, you know, that that's such a pity that that's, that's kind of the way that that goes. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, really the only way I think that most companies can survive in an environment like Silicon Valley, where growth is the thing that matters and not so much like cash flow and all of this, or where a business starts up and they, you know, and they're not concerned about cash flow right out of the gate. Um, is to get is honestly to get bought out by a major company. Like, I mean, if Microsoft bought SoundCloud, great. If Microsoft bought Twitter, great. Um, I could imagine Amazon would actually be the more interesting play. Maybe not to buy SoundCloud because that would compete with Audible, you know, in a way. So I don't see Amazon buying them, but I could imagine Amazon buying Twitter, uh, much like they bought Twitch. You know, I, I could really, you know, I could very much see that happening. Um, and then Twitter would, you know, it, they it wouldn't have to worry about making money anymore. And it could maybe it, at that point, ironically, uh, you know, concentrate on just being a great service and not, not that they need to add anything, you know, another direction, a lot of people think that Twitter would go with that. It would become almost a public service. Kind of like, um, there was that, that proto internet in France that I always forget the name of it. Uh, but that, that was a service that was a state service that didn't shut down until well into the aughts uh, that people were still using. It was like a bulletin board system, not, not exactly like Twitter, but you know, after a fashion like Twitter, but it was a, you know, it was a public service. And the only reason that it went away was because the internet, uh, you know, just became so pervasive in, in Europe. And of course, well, anyway, there's, there's whole problems with that. Uh, so yeah, so I see SoundCloud getting bought out. I, I don't see SoundCloud crashing. And if it did, Sovereign, you know, I have all the episodes. Sovereign Tech will just be distributed in, in other ways. Uh, in fact, if that really happened, I would probably, what I would do, so my uh, Synology disk station, my NAS, Network Area Storage, uh, can actually host podcasts and can create a feed with software on it. Um, I would probably go that route. And then I'd never worry about any other service ever shutting down or any website or anything like that. Everybody would always have access to it through that feed as long as there was some kind of hardline internet infrastructure. So that would be the route I'd go if SoundCloud actually did ever shut down. Um, okay, let's move on from that. Let's see. There's definitely a fine line or fuzzy area between convenience and exploitation. Yep, that's certainly very true. Uh, let's see. Thoughts on a truly secure smart device that has the sensors, but there's a real foolproof way, maybe physical switches to turn sensors on and off when one chooses. So 
okay, so that, that's in reference kind of to what Daniel was talking about. Um, yeah, th- so um, uh, McAfee's, John McAfee's phone that he was putting out there actually has hardware switches on the back of it for like Bluetooth and for, for various other radios. Um, that's a great idea. Now, McAfee's implementation is not great, okay? But the idea, the abstract notion, yep, that would be awesome. Uh, the only thing is, is that I don't know, I don't know that the market can, you'd have to charge such a high premium for that because you're ne- there's not enough people interested in it. And, you know, as I say all the time, I mean, no matter what you do as far as securing a device down, as soon as you install Facebook Messenger on it, I mean, it's, it's over. Like, you know, there's so many permissions and you can try it, you know, you can turn them off with a hardware switch or with a software switch or something, but then it breaks the functionality. The app knows it and the app stops functioning and people without Facebook messenger. I mean, you know, you're going to have riots in the streets. They're going to, they're going to take on city hall. Uh, so I think it's a great idea. I want to see it happen. Um, hardware switches are so key are so important. I don't, I don't want them just on smartphones. I need my hardware switches back on my fucking laptop, you know, back like my ThinkPads used to have where, you know, everything you could, there was a hardware switch that would kill the Wi-Fi, the whole thing. Um, uh, so yeah, I'd love to see that kind of go in that direction. Uh, but I do, you know, expect when something like that really does come out. And again, I don't think McAfee's phone are, is really that. Um, but when something like that does come out, you know, you're going to end up paying a premium for it. Uh, I mean, you look at like the history of black phone, black phone tried to do the whole privacy route, uh, particularly with their first generation black phone. Uh, they, they did it right. They actually did it right. They didn't install the Google play store, etc. Nobody bought because what do you mean? I can't put Facebook messenger on there. And so nobody bought it. Um, so that's something, you know, you kind of have to convince people first off, why they why those switches need to be there um and then maybe you can you can kind of create a market uh, demand uh, for that sort of thing so education is key anyway uh let's see what else we have here and then i'm going to get to some of the questions that were that were asked ahead of time uh, by some patrons want to be fair to everybody uh well <laughs> fairness is an illusion and that's a you know the fact that life isn't fair it's a good thing because if life were fair, all the bad things that happen to you, you deserve. Not my, I didn't come up with that, but it's true. Uh, anyway, so let's see. Um, the movie Event Horizon is 20 years old this year. Love this film. Wish there were there were more sci-fi horror movies. What's your take on it? Oh, now anybody who's seen the video can, can see who this is. So I'll address the person by name. Uh, Jess, oh man, did you hit on a movie that I have a history with? have no idea and i might have talked about this at certain points um this movie i will say uh uh, kind of trying to to talk about it um how to put this sort of outside or conventionally like trying to or objectively that's the word i'm looking for looking at it objectively okay this is a great movie you're absolutely right and what's amazing is is it was made with such a small budget um, and it, and it had some, it had Lawrence Fishburne in it, uh, had Sam Neill in it, who he was just coming off. Uh, yeah. So that came out in 97, right? Cause he said it was 20 years. Um, you know, he was just coming off three years off of Jurassic Park. Sam Neill was still a huge name at the time. Uh, and I genuinely think, you know, he was a great actor. I mean, he was a great actor before, you know, even Jurassic Park, uh, uh was a thing. So, um, you know, cause like he did hunt for red October, right. He was, uh, he was one of the major, uh, Russian characters, um, in that and event horizon. I went and saw it in theaters for one, it was science fiction, which was also kind of rare at the time. 
you know, in the nineties, like there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of science fiction really coming out. Uh, so that was part of the reason I wanted to see that really bad. And at the time, you know, I was a teenager, I was like 16 and I, you know, my, me and my buddy or buddies, we would, you know, that was kind of our weekend thing. Every weekend we'd go and see a flick. Um, and you know, event horizon came up, we went and saw it. Uh, I mean, and it was actually, it was directed by, uh, uh, Paul, Paul Anderson, who Paul Anderson is actually my, my favorite director of all time. Uh, Paul Anderson has directed uh, mortal Kombat, the first mortal Kombat. He directed uh soldier, which is the side quill, not prequel or sequel, but the side quill to, um, to blade runner with, uh, it's with Kurt Russell, one of the greatest movies ever made in my opinion. In fact, um, if you're watching the video here, I'll, I'll pull this out. I didn't know you were going to ask about this, but just to show you that I've got it, uh, here is the Blu-ray of soldier. Uh, it's one of there's, I actually, I have three Blu-rays <laughs> right, right here. Uh, ironically, one is soldier. The other is uh blade runner. The, the ultimate, uh, ultimate cut there or the final cut, um, the final cut that so you know these movies are related they exist in the same universe in fact when you watch soldier uh, in the beginning there's um you see one of the spinners one of the cop cars from uh, from blade runner and then the other blu-ray i have right handy is uh, is forbidden planet um which you know every science fiction movie is copied for every, every every ounce of video of science fiction on video on film be it tv or movie copied forbidden plant has copied forbidden planet in one shape or form or other. Um, and I know forbid itself forbidden planet itself is kind of based off of a Shakespeare story, but that's a, that's another thing. Anyway, let me put those back. Um, so yeah, so Paul Anderson, um, he also, now he's, you know, he's not looked at fondly by everybody, but he's also the, the brains, the writer and director behind, uh, the resident evil movies, you know, the, the entire, the entire saga of resident evil movies with, uh, Mila Jovovich. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I love him as a director. Now he can make stinkers. He made, um, he made the movie Pompeii, which was terrible. One of the worst movies I ever watched. And I, I was so disappointed because I was like, Oh, it's going to be Paul Anderson. This will be great. And no, the movie was fucking terrible. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, event horizon. So I get it objectively looking at it. It's a great movie. Okay. Um, it's it, me at 16. It terrified me. It scared the hell out of me. I mean, in, in like, I couldn't, in fact, I, I, I remember I couldn't sleep for like at least a day or two. It, it, like I, I really was having a hard time. I was staying over at a buddy's house and I tried everything I could. In fact, he had a, he had a big wing commander prophecy map of the galaxy, uh, on his, on his uh, ceiling. And I remember just like constantly looking at that and just like trying to think about wing commander instead of thinking about, uh, uh, event horizon. Cause the part that kind of freaked me out wasn't the hell part what wasn't any of that it was the point where and spoiler alerts folks but hey the movie's been out 20 years so whatever um was the part where sam neil like he's crawling through through the ship and he encounters his wife and when his and she's nude and the like she has a great body uh but when she opens her eyes there's no eyes there and like i i never saw anything like that before or since really and and it just freaked me the fuck out i mean now it you know it doesn't matter. I, you know, I could watch the movie and and I totally get it. Uh, but boy, that, that movie really bugged me out, but that's a good thing, right? I mean, that just shows how great a movie it was because it really could terrify you. Um, so, you know, kudos to, uh, really to, to event, you know, event horizon, uh, genuinely great film, uh, very well done film, 
of course, Paul Anderson, uh, you know, especially with such a low budget, very scientifically kind of accurate film. Like it was, I remember it being one of the first times, uh, I think it's Lawrence Fishburne's character who ends up, you know, kind of being out in space and you see exactly what happens when you get caught in the vacuum of space. And it was one of the first times I can really remember that happening. Um, kind of reminds me, I sort, I always sort of feel like that was Paul Anderson's attempt at making, was a 1979 Disney's The Black Hole, which is a movie I really love, a very misunderstood film um, for for a variety of reasons. But that movie kind of ends sort of in the same same way, even though Event Horizon explores it a little bit more, where in in um, in The Black Hole, you have the kind of the villainous character, the doctor who ends up like at the end, he's he's in hell. You know, and it's it's very weird, but like Disney was doing all that kind of weird shit in the 70s, right? Or like with Fantasia, you know, where it ends with Chernabog, my favorite Disney character, where Chernabog is, you know, the, the mountain, the mountain king and everything and, you know, just throwing souls into hell and all this. Uh, so not, not out of place for Disney at the time, not out of place really for Disney today. Uh, but yeah, I, I always felt like that was kind of a, an attempt at making it really, it was almost like a black hole remake. Uh, and it does a good job of it. You know, I, like, I, I really think that that's, that's okay. So anyway, um, I need to find here, I need to find the, the question that was asked in the Sovereign Tech Facebook group uh, real quick. And then I want to get into uh, another couple questions that were actually sent in via email. Um, boy, yeah, see, so, you know, asking for the, asking this stuff in the face, here we go. Okay. That, that can be a little tough sometimes in the Facebook group to find, because I noticed that Facebook groups don't, it doesn't put things chronologically. It seems to put things by popularity, which whatever. Anyway, so I hope I answered your question about Event Horizon, by the way, but let's, let's get into something else here. Uh, question for your Q and a today, I'll be at the gym at 4 PM. And of course this was asked by uh, Daryl W. Perry, who, uh, you know, talk about a guy that, that really, really, <laughs> really, uh, you know, gets a lot of shit done. Anyway, uh, I just read that Ethereum is going to switch to proof of stake. How does a crypto completely change its mining method? And what do you think this means for the future of Ethereum? Okay, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is a, oh boy, Ethereum. (laughs) Well, to answer your first part, how does it, how does a, 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 a cryptocurrency like completely change its its mining method well that was by design like f- i mean first off you know proof of stake was always going to be a part of ethereum that was talked about years ago when vitalik you know was first kind of white papering and theorizing um ethereum so nothing too strange there uh i mean it's stupid but nothing too strange there not not that i really i'm not one of those people that has a problem with proof of stake for proof of stakes sake but um, yeah, th- th- there's nothing really odd about this. This was this was always kind of part of the plan, and you know we know with Ethereum, which is one of the things I consider genuinely concerning about Ethereum. Um, we know with Ethereum that they, well, with the DAO, you know, they they will just if they want to fundamentally change the nature of that blockchain they'll fucking do it, whether it's to, you know, erase uh, some kind of event that happened in history or change the fundamentals of how it operates, things like this. Uh, you know, th- I see that as a flaw. I see that as a problem. You know, other people, I guess, get excited about it. I don't like that's not what happened with the DAO should be a warning that will reverberate throughout the his throughout, you know, the tech world forever. Like that should always be remembered that, no, 
blockchains are not immutable. All it takes is a dev team or one guy at the top that has his own little, you know, kind of kind of cultish church going on effectively, whether they want to call it that or not, um, like Vitalik does, that, you know, they, they, they can just change everything. And, you know, you don't want to build... Uh, certainly, you know, like if a lot of people get excited about Ethereum because, well, this is going to help us get to a stateless society, I don't want to build on top of something that, you know, could, you know, where, where it could be changed, not based upon, well, you know what I mean? Where, where just one guy at the top, I mean, it just turns into like almost like a digital feudalism. It's a, it's a very strange situation with, with Ethereum. So yeah, I, I think that's crazy. What is proof of stake going to do about Ethereum? It doesn't matter because it's not about Ethereum. It's about Vitalik. Okay. Ethereum is the church of Vitalik and people are banking on Vitalik, not on Ethereum. All right. Uh, I mean, and you can tell this, just, just look at how, I mean, you have to have some understanding of how the news business works. And actually I know Daryl does, um, but like every time they're talking about Ethereum, there's a picture of Vitalik. They're always showing off Vitalik. I mean, like th- this is he he's the Steve Jobs effectively of you know of the cryptocurrency world in a very real sense and you know that that should be concerning because what if something you know there was that that which we've talked about on Sovereign Tech um you know there was the case where there was the the fake news that Vitalik died and Ethereum's price tanked so i mean that just proves the point really what you're banking on is is, is you know Vitalik so what happens with Ethereum and all this stuff, it doesn't really matter. In fact, it's very depressing because it's not just Vitalik. This is the thing that's happening throughout the entire cryptocurrency space. Uh, you have Dan Larimer, who whatever project he goes to, there's like this, there's these apostles that kind of follow him. You know, there's this whole religion that kind of follows him, uh, you know, to whatever he happens to go with. Uh, really, the cryptocurrency space has turned into one of a cult of personality. And that that is very concerning. Um you know, a lot of people, I think, feel comfort with Bitcoin, myself included, because, you know, we don't I mean, there's some names you can mention in the Bitcoin space. But as far as like, you know, the creator and all that, we don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. So we don't get we don't we, we can't follow him or her or it to or they to the next project. Right. Which I think is a good thing. Um that, you know, that there isn't that cult of personality necessarily. I mean, there's, again, there's some names out there, certainly that, that one could call that for Bitcoin, but, uh, but at least the original developers not there. Um, so that, you know, that's a real problem with, with cryptocurrencies. And it's one of the reasons that, uh, well, you know, I get skeptical of a lot of these that have big names behind them. Um, I love the fact that no, I mean, you know, ask a lot of people in the cryptocurrency space may know what Litecoin is. Ask them who, you know, who the main guys behind it are you know, who's going to, most people don't know Warren Tagami. Most people don't know Charlie Lee. I mean, some people do sure, but a lot of them don't, but Litecoin is, you know, rocking and rolling, um, with Zcash, you know, everybody knows, I, I guess people know Zuko, but like, I don't think a cult of personality is really developed around Zuko. And I'm glad about that. Uh, so that, you know, that's, that's a concerning thing. So I don't see anything happening. I mean, any change that happens to Ethereum, as long as Vitalik's still there, by and large, there's going to be investors involved. You know, because again, they're banking on the cult of personality. They're banking on the church of Vitalik. They're not really banking on what Ethereum can do. Because really, Ethereum can't do shit, at least not very well. Like, it can't really deliver on what it's talking about. There's no real practical uses for it. Um, not not really. Not really. I know there's, you know, some people are, are finding interesting things to do, like Shapeshift is doing some interesting things with Ethereum and all that. But by and large, yeah, it's it's just not there. 
So, okay. Um, I hope I answered that. Uh, let's see. How's the, uh, the, the live chat doing? Still got quite a few people or got a few people watching. That's great. Nothing else in the live chat. That's good. So why don't I go to uh, the email that came earlier? Uh, let's see. Greetings, Brian. I've got, cause we've got about, well, 10, 10, maybe 20 minutes. Uh, I'll go a little bit over an hour if we need to. Greetings, Brian. I've got two questions that I would like to ask. One is of a, is more of a personal nature and the other is of a clarification. Uh, the first is, I understand you were part of the military for X number of years. Which branch were you part of and what was your frame of mind like at the point in which you joined? Um, okay. And then there's another question after that. So, uh, so I'll answer the military one kind of quickly. I don't know if I'll spend a whole ton of time on that, but I was in the U S army. Um, I was originally in communications. I was 31 uniform and that's, that's the job classification. Uh, but then I went on into, uh, psychological operations after that. Uh, and my frame of mind was, uh, revenge, honestly. I'm not saying, and look, I, I wasn't, I wasn't in a healthy frame of mind. Uh, you know, I, I've, I have no problem admitting that like there, there's nothing. I don't think anybody that, that wants to join into some kind of military private or otherwise, uh, you know, private or government or what, what the fuck ever. Um, I don't think they're, they're in a healthy state of mind. Um, so I certainly wasn't, but, uh, you know, I, I can definitely say that, yeah, my mindset was, uh, was absolute, you know, revenge. And it was all because of, you know, nine 11, um, and I, you know, I haven't told this story in a long time. I don't think I'm going to go into too much depth with it here, but you know, and, and I, a lot of people are kind of shocked when I, when I tell them this, but the nine 11 truther movement, the truther movement, as it were, um, I encountered them as a young man and they didn't inspire me into critical thinking. They inspired me into joining the military because the truther movement was so full or it still is so full of shit. Um, with, with a lot of its claims and a lot of its more, you know, extreme members and everything. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really, really, really crazy. Uh, so, I mean, and, and just to caveat quickly, I'm not saying that the official story of nine 11, that I believe that like hundred percent or, or something like this, uh, but what the truther movement is putting out there, I sure as hell don't believe a lot of those people, you know, and you want to talk about people in some unhealthy fucking mindsets, you know, just start, just start ticking off the names or, you know, start checking off the names that are, are big wigs in the in the 9-11 truther movement. And, you know, you're going to find a lot of really fucked up individuals. But anyway, um, yeah, so I was I was all on, you know, I'm, I'm ethnically Jewish and I was, uh, you know, well, oh, I'd have to tell the whole story. And I don't really want to get into that right now. I, I can do that, you know, on another episode uh, if people want to do that. But, yeah, my mindset was uh, was was vengeance you know, was, was absolute revenge. And, uh, and it's, it's, uh, you know, terrible. And, you know, uh, my, my tour of duty is something I will really never forgive myself for. So anyway, um, yeah, like you can say anyway to that, let's go on to the next question here. Uh, my other question is what do you personally define as Western values? I've listened to your shows and I understand that you are very much against the ideas behind Western culture, but do you merely define quote unquote, the West as something specifically Christian, or does it go much deeper? If you have answered either of these two questions before on a podcast, please point me in the direction. I'll listen to them. If not, then please feel free to, to address them at your uh, con convenience. Um, and it said, I checked, oh, here's a PS at the end. I checked Richard Armitage's uh, uh, IMDb page and it states that the second Castlevania season may drop in 2018. If that's if true, that's fucking awesome. Uh, all right. So let me address the, the Castlevania thing quick. Yeah. I've heard that it, it's going to be coming really fast. 
Um, I did the review just this week. If people haven't listened to that episode, that was a patron perk, uh, Patreon only episode. And that was uh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of people really like that. Uh, Richard Armitage is one of the main voice actors in in the Castlevania anime. Uh, and yeah, that's so thanks for letting me know. Like, that's really cool that that's going to be happening fast because uh, it needs to because that was that's one of the, like just one of the best animes, one of the best pieces of fiction I, I think I've seen in a very long time. Uh, OK, so, yeah, to answer about the West, um, like my other question is, what do you personally define as Western values? Is it just Christianity? Uh, so here's the thing <laughs> is I don't know. OK, like this, this notion of Western values is a very kind of ethereal, not ethereum, ethereal kind of ominous notion that I can't get a clear cut answer on. I've asked people, people who defend Western values and Western civilization, and they can't really give me an answer as to what that is. Usually it comes down to, well, the tradition that came from Greek philosophy or something like that, but it's, it's all this very nebulous shit. Like I, I really can't, can't get a good, a good answer on it. Um, I'm trying to remember the, be- the closest thing I ever got to an answer was there was that article that I think Milo Yiannopoulos did for the daily beast where he was, or he was, he it wasn't an article he wrote, he was interviewed. And in that he kind of talked about Western civilization, but I don't exactly recall how he defined it. So it's not just Christianity. It's Western civilization, uh, I guess, is whatever, you know, these people who espouse Western civilization, it's it's kind of whatever they lay out there. I mean, Christianity is a huge part of that, certainly. But also, you know, there's an Eastern Christianity, right, like Eastern Orthodox, which is a very different form um, of Christianity in many ways. Uh, I mean, it's close to Catholicism. But it has some odd ideas like icons, you know, and that's that's one of the major things that created uh, actually, you know, the, the schism between uh, Catholicism and, and uh, uh, Christian orthodoxy. Um, and it's kind of the thing that keeps them from getting back into the fold of the, you know, the, <laughs> uh, the what is it? The no oh, shit. <laughs> I can't the the pope you know the pope of Rome uh, <laughs> or the bishop of Rome. That's the term I was looking for. The bishop of Rome. Um, so yeah, it's kind of Christianity, but also it's sort of the, you know, Puritanism. That's what I wrap up in Western values, uh, kind of this upholding of the nuclear family, which in many ways is, does appear to be like a modern, uh, Western, I guess you could say, uh, creation. And I will say that I, I think, I think it's, it's kind of a false paradigm. Okay. That's, that, that's being put on display here. Uh, and what what I mean by that, as far as it being a false paradigm, is, you know, Western, Eastern, I mean, if you change the time that we're talking about, so like the modern day person in, say, South Korea, and the modern day person in America, are have so much in common, they really do. But now the modern person in America, in the United States, has really very little in common with the person in the United States from 200 years ago. So I think the paradigm of West versus East Western values versus Eastern values or Western civilization, whatever is kind of BS. Really it's moderns and ancients um, or moderns and I don't know, whatever you want to call them pastors. I don't know. Something, something like that. Um, And 
you know, but but that doesn't get discussed that way. But I, I think that that's really the more accurate representation of talking about people. I mean, really, you know, just about anybody around the world, you, you will have more in common with today um, than you would with people from your own nationality, countries, value systems from, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago or more. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't really define Western values to you. Uh, you know, usually it just gets tied up in, um, you know, white people, family values. Uh, I mean, maybe religion and Christianity will get tossed, you know, tossed in there. Uh, but I mean, what it, the main problem where it comes down to is that because people are talking about, no, we need to build a wall or we need to go to war or we need to vote this person in. We need to enact some kind of enforcement, some kind of violence to protect it. And that's the problem for me is that, well, can you please define for me what exactly we need to protect? Like, what, what, what are you talking about? You know, that, that, that needs protection. And, you know, I get a lot of heat for, you know, look, I don't have a problem with the nuclear. Like I really don't. People can be, can have their heteronormative nuclear family, rock and roll, have a nice time, you know, with that by all means. Okay. But also let's let other people explore alternatives to that nuclear family that has, you know, become such a part of, uh, you know, Western civilization or what, what gets chalked up to Western civilization. And, and sometimes I think for a lot of people also, it comes down to that is that Western civilization is just the nuclear family and we have to protect the family because the family is what stops the state. And, you know, every time I hear that and you could say I'm creating an aunt Sally or, you know, it's our, well, uh, straw man, which what's what it's called in America. Uh, you, know, you can say I'm creating a straw man uh, in that, but no, I don't think it's a straw man at all. Uh, but, my answer to that straw, what that's what gets claimed to be a straw man. Again, it's not, um, is what are you talking about? Like the family is the held up institution and the state was growing with the family, you know, being in the, you know, whatever people generally think of the family as being. So I don't buy that argument that you need to protect the family because that's the bulwark against the state. What are you talking about? Like there's nowhere in history where I can look at the family and say, yep, okay, yep, that was provably the bulwark against the state, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it just, it's, it's doesn't fucking, ex- that history, that point doesn't exist. I talked about this on, um, on, on actually on School Sucks on Brett's show. Uh, and, you know, there, there weren't any shots fired back about that because point it out, I don't see it. You know, or it's about defending white people. And then people bring up the arguments that, well, you see, but if you let Mexicans in, you know, Mexicans are, you could look at the statistics. Mexicans are the, you know, the number, like uh, st- statistically, they commit the most crimes or black people commit the most murders and all this different stuff. And and that's horseshit. That's utter horseshit, especially if you're a libertarian or an anarchist to make those kinds of claims that these other groups are the biggest criminals are statistically the largest criminals or the largest aggressors against other humans on the planet. No white people like I was in the U S army are statistically the, the most murderous, the most, uh, the, 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 the most rapist, the most, you know, what criminal, whatever. That's the thing is that when, when, when you hear from a lot of these guys defending Western civilization and all that, what was the guy, Ben Shapiro, there's some of these other asshats out there. They, they don't, you know, they're not anarchists. They like the military. They like the police, but because of that, they completely ignore the percentages. They completely ignore, you know, like, okay, well, how many people do police kill a year? How many people do, does the military kill a year? And what race does that make up? You know? And, and, and I think if you broke that down, suddenly you'd find out, holy shit. 
these arguments about certain cultures or certain races or whatever, which I think are, you know, social constructs, but you know, all of that, like they don't even match up compared to what makes up the enforcement bodies around the world and particularly in the United States. So this defending Western civilization is nonsense. <laughs> like it, it's, it's just, it's just crap, you know, because you're, you're afraid that, oh, well, these people are going to come in and rape. What, what do you think happens? Oh man, I could go on forever about this. Uh, yeah. Don't forget immigrants only just reading in the YouTube chat. Uh, don't forget immigrants only vote for, de- for Democrats. That's their argument, not mine. Uh, yeah. Th- I mean, then, then that comes up. Who the fuck should be voting? I mean, like anarchists should know so much better than this shit, but, <laughs> but oh man, I, I, I mean, I, I could just, I, I could go on and on about, you, you know, and also most of these people that make these arguments, they, they've never been to those other countries. I've been all around the middle East. And, and a lot of these countries, yep, they're predominantly, there's, you know, predominantly Muslim or something like that. But most Muslims aren't the people or aren't the caricature that you're being sold by the likes of Ben Shapiro um, or, you know, maybe like the Jordan Petersons or whoever, I don't know. Uh, but it, yeah, but it implies Republicans are better for freedom, which that's horseshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, you're raising a great point in the, in the live chat there. Um yeah, like, okay, so they vote for Democrats. Well, the problem is that they're voting, not that they're voting for Democrats, but yeah, I mean, that's inherently saying, oh, well, we need to, you know, protect the Republicans or something. I mean, it's, it's all just, it's all so weird. So yeah, so emailer, I I can't get, like, somebody has to define it for me. And then my next question after they define it for me is, well, first off, like, prove it to me that that your claims are true, like, say, about the nuclear family being the bulwark against the state. There's no evidence. There's just no evidence for that. I'm sorry. There just, there isn't. Um, but then my next question is, is like, okay, so, so why do we need to enact violence to protect this thing that you're talking about? Uh, and, and usually I can't get a good answer to that either. And I've tried, I've, I've really tried, uh, you know, I mean like another, here's, here's some more, you want some more statistical bullshit. Okay. Um, like, well, you know, the, there's these great Western institutions like married, like people that, um, that wait. Oh, how does this go? People who wait to get, who wait to have sex until marriage until, you know, they won't have sex until after they're married have less instances of divorce. Thus, you know, we want to protect these Western values. We want to protect that family institution. That's those statistics completely. And those, those are real statistics that people bring up. Um, they completely ignore the fact that those, you know, people that wait until marriage to have sex are usually religious. And most religions say that divorce is a bad thing, particularly within Christianity, or at least it's, 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 you know, looked on very, very, very poorly. It's, it might not be, uh, there might not be a law against it, like in Catholicism or something, um, but it's looked on very poorly. So, you know, you're missing the point. It's not that somehow marriage is this great institution that protects people or keeps them from getting HIV or that keeps them from being, uh, you know, from having a failed relationship or something like this. No, maybe it was the religion, but then, okay, if you want to argue with me that religion is somehow a good thing, oh, we've got a whole other conversation to have. And I'm going to win that one in a heartbeat. That's not, I mean, that, you know, to go ahead, blindfold me, baby, put my arms behind my back. Okay, tie them up, tie them up. I know you're going to, you're getting turned on already. Okay, tie them up. I mean, because if you want to argue that religion's a good fucking thing, whoo, and I, I know the emailer's not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, these people, these arguments that come from these Western civilization people, I mean, are fucking insane. 
uh, and they, they don't hold up to scrutiny, you know, and that's the thing. Uh, well, anyway, imperialism is a great Western value. Yeah. You know, that's, that's another one from the live chat. Yeah. That's a great point too. Uh, in fact, it's funny, you know, I know a lot of people complain about, well, but when the Mexicans or when the Muslims, when they go into another country, they don't bother to learn the local language. They won't speak English. They won't learn the, you know, the local customs and all this really. Let's take a look at the the history of Western civilization, say like Britain. Did Britain bother to learn, uh, you know, Hindi? Did they bother to learn any of the shit from, you know, every country that they decided to conquer? No, they never learned anybody's, you know, any, any other culture, uh, any other culture's culture, uh, you know, any other country's culture. They never bothered to learn any other country's language. They just went in there and said, no, you're going to fucking act like us. So honestly, you know, if your claim is, is that, oh, these people aren't very advanced, they don't have Western values. No, I'd say that if Mexicans weren't learning English and if Muslims weren't learning English, they've got Western values down pat. They've got that shit licked. You go into another country and you don't learn a goddamn thing and you just take it over because that's Western values. Historically, again, define Western values for me. I don't know what it is. If you're telling me like that, it's the history of white people or it's the history of white Christians and all that. Okay, well, let's go down that fucking history. And everything that they're claiming that other cultures and races are doing is exactly what they've done for thousands of years or hundreds, whatever, whatever your timeline happens to be. Let's see, in a recent JRE, I'm guessing it's a Joe Rogan uh, experience, a Gad Saad indicates that some who are, I'm reading from the, the live chat, some who argue for identity politics will reject evolutionary principles when applied to humans. Though it was a religious thing to, re- or, though it was a religious thing to reject evolution, if what, he indicate, if what he indicates is true, it's something I think is ironic. Think that has any merit. Um I'm not exactly picking up what you're putting down. Uh, you know, on the, if you want to, if you want to like maybe explain more, I'll, I'll read it again here quick. Uh, the evolution, let's see, indicates that some who argue for identity politics will reject evolutionary principles when applied to humans. Um, thought, not though. Thought it was a religious thing to reject evolution. If what he indicates is true, it's something I think is ironic. Um thought it was really okay. So I'm, I'm guessing, yeah. And we're going to, we're going to wrap this up soon, but that's, yeah, this, this would be this interesting. Um, so the idea that, that people who are into identity politics, uh, will reject evolutionary, uh, will reject evolutionary principles when applied to humans saying that they, they kind of reject evolutionary biology. Uh, I'm guessing that's what's meant there. Um, Thought it was a religious thing to reject evolution. Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, a lot of what happens within identity politics is, is, you know, takes on a religious fervor, you know, that that's sure. Absolutely. Um, Now I I do want to say, and I I don't know if I'm exactly addressing, and then, you know, this person that I'm reading from in the live chat, if you want to email me like with, okay. um, You know, with something deeper, if I don't get to it, you know, feel free to do that. And I'll, I'll cover it uh, gladly, you know, in another, uh, another Q and a, but um, Evo psych guy. Yeah, I, I think I know you're talking about. So, yeah. So here's the thing with evolutionary psychology. Here's the thing with like. Uh, um, there's a lot of interpretation. OK, I think a lot of what I, I mean, it, it's a lot of a lot of guesswork in that with evolutionary psychology, like you're saying, you assume. All right. For example, here's here's one. Here's a, a piece, I guess, of evolutionary psychology. Um 
that that I that I you know will I guess subscribe to. That is moaning. Okay. Like a, a woman moaning during sex can sound, and I've talked about this many times on, on Sovereign Tech. Um, that can sound very much like it sounds a lot like crying, which you know, you hear it, and I mean you don't need to do a lab test. Yep, they they sound kind of similar, right? Um now why is that? Because under evolutionary psychology, at least one interpretation of it is because they're both cries for help, meaning that when a woman or, you know, when someone's crying or moaning out or groaning, whatever, they're in pain, they need somebody to come, you know, to come help, you know, medical attention, whatever that may be. And during sex, you're moaning because you want more people to join in. Now, that's one interpretation of, of how that works that way. Obviously, a guy like maybe Jordan Peterson or God, you know, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, Saad or however pronounce that, uh, you know, would probably interpret that very differently. But that's the thing is that a lot of evolutionary psychology comes very much down to interpretation. And it's usually like like playing a game, a bit of game of, of Occam's razor saying, well, what makes the most sense? Why this evolved and why this did that? Um, again, it's interpretation. You know, there, there, there's so much uh, involved with that. So, yeah, um, keep that in mind with evolutionary psychology. It's a very tricky subject to bring up. You know, and, and it's funny because you can read all of the books about evolutionary psychology, you know, that, that have that have come out. And then suddenly you get a book like Sex at Dawn a few years ago by Christopher Ryan. Uh, and, you know, and, and it, it completely reinterprets everything, but it makes just as much, perhaps just as much sense using the same kind of maybe Hegelian logic or something as as was used in the rest of the Evo psych, uh, you know, evolutionary psychology you know books. Um, so that that comes down so much to interpretation. That's a really important thing, you know, kind of kind of to bring up on that. Um, I don't I don't know, how, you know, how much to, to to really, you know, add on that. Um, but, yeah, identity politics, boy, I mean, that is a massive subject, <laughs> you know, to to get into uh, that. Well, anyway, if you, if you want to have, you know, more of a, you know, if you want me to discuss more on that, you know, maybe maybe, a, you know, a bigger email that, that I could, I could run off. I'm, you know, I'm happy to do that anytime. So thanks so much uh, for that. Um, okay. Yeah, that works. Good. <laughs> I'm glad that works for you. So, yeah, I mean, and, and look, if I got fired up, I'm not fired up at anybody that's, you know, listening to this, obviously I, you know, I love my patrons and everything. I'm just talking about people kind of in the abstract. Uh, okay. So yeah, I think we'll, we'll wrap that up. We're about 15 minutes over the hour. Uh, which I think is a great time. And boy, we're ended in a, on a high note there, right? <laughs> uh, but whew, yeah, I got some dinner to get to and a, and a whole bunch of other things. Um, yeah, 200 characters. That was tough to summarize. Yeah, exactly. So no worries. Um, but I will definitely explore that uh, in the future. Certainly happy to do that. So anyway, thanks so much to the patrons who uh, who are attending this. Um, I might have just lost some patrons with what I was talking about, quite frankly. <laughs> I don't know. But um, but uh, yeah, thank you for, for being a patron. Thank you for uh, participating in the live hangouts. I love doing these. At some point, I was even I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, well, you know, Sovereign Tech would be a lot of fun if it was a radio show. I was listening to Eddie Trunk's show on Sirius XM, and, uh, and it was really cool how he could take calls and, you know, people would just kind of ask anything. And the subjects that he would get into that he didn't even plan uh, were, were phenomenal. That was so cool. Um, so anyway, thanks for those who, who also, you know, came on live, you know, did video or audio and all of that. Uh, it was really great to, to interact with you. Um, and, yeah, I got other episodes coming out this week. I uh, had a great time coming to you live from studio two or the wolf slayer, whatever we end up calling it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you're not a part of the summer tech, uh, Facebook group, you know, feel free to join that. Also the director's cut 
of the uh, the first issue of the Sovereign Tech newsletter uh, came out today. So if you're not signed up for that, go to zog.email to get your hands on that. A lot of people really enjoying that. Uh, in fact, I've got a great uh, next week will be when the because it's a biweekly newsletter. Next week will be the news, the new newsletter. And I already have most of it drawn up and I, I just know it's going to be phenomenal. In fact, I had to really one of the videos I wanted to include in the newsletter. I I had a real pain in the ass getting it up and out <laughs> to to where copyright wasn't he wasn't hounding me. But I was glad that I saved it. Anyway, that's an, that's a whole other story for another time. And there will be new uh, Sovereign Universe fiction in next week's newsletter as well. So. Uh, whew, that's it uh, for, for this time. Thanks again so much for everybody that participated and for everybody that's listening on audio. I will see you on the other side. <laughs> <laughs>